0: The Veritas Radio Network is guaranteed the right to offend, annoy, agitate, shout heresy, heresy! and entertain. You start programming right now. Kind of like the cultural sewage served up on Bravo or CMT. Only it's on 24 hours a day. Except Sundays. When the truth gets you angry and you throw your smartphone, remember, no one is forcing you to listen to the truth on the Veritas Radio Network. You can't handle the truth. You're doing that of your own. That's what makes this country great, and any gay marriage pointless. That's offensive! So there isn't much you can do about it, Chotterhead. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Grab a book, take a vow, and conform your mind to reality. Yeah, reality. Otherwise, you're just another Judas-inspired Karl Marx wannabe, and your children will steal your credit card number to buy tickets to the Miley Cyrus
1: Twerkers Ball. I came in like a wrecking ball!
0: Are you ready? Let's get it on! On the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade. The Professor is in. Send your questions for Professor Kevin Goodzman to Constitution at veritasradionetwork dot And welcome to th- this edition of the Constitution Hour featuring Professor Dr. Kevin Goodzman. This is episode number 20.
1: Woo-hoo!
0: 20 episodes ago, we began our little Constitution Sojourn here on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network. I promise you that Volume 1, which is Episodes 1 through 10, and uh, Volume 2, which will be Episodes 10 or 11 through 20, with a glitch... be made available as box set downloads, if you will, by the end of this broadcast week. If you have a question for the good doctor, you can send it to com, or just go to the site and uh, click on the contact button at the top of the page or scroll down to the bottom of any page and you can actually select the Constitution Hour as your contact or... Find Kevin on the Facebook, Kevin Goodsman, or on the Twitter, at Kevin Goodsman. And we will now go to the Good Doctor and uh, begin this week's Constitution Hour. So we will now go live to the Good Doctor, and uh, we were just talking before the show began with how cold it is uh, in Scotland. In case uh, Mrs. Clinton gets elected, that's where I am opting to move. And he was telling me, it's cold in Scotland. I said, well, you live in Connecticut. It's cold in Connecticut, too. So, Kevin, uh, we may both be having uh, really winters of great discontent in 2017.
1: Well, I have a friend who's a major general in the Marine Corps, and he says if she's elected, he's moving to Estonia. So uh, (laughs) he's actually not kidding. So uh, he'll be colder than we are. Refresh
0: my geography. Where is it?
1: Well north of Poland. That is, it's... Friggin' cold there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. We usually talk Constitution uh, issues on this, and the the presidency is a Constitution issue, so let us talk about the presidency here and uh, the race which we now know is down to a contest between... Well, we really don't know that yet because Bernie Sanders has not yet quit, and he continues to win states. He's actually won more states than she has, but... Looks like the delegate count will be in uh, Mrs. Clinton's favor, and it uh, will be, uh, because the Clintons run the Democrat Party, and uh, no one is going to tell them, oh, sorry, Hillary, <laughs> we're going to have to delay your coronation again. Because you'll remember back in 2008 when Katie Couric asked her, what happens if it's not you? And Hillary said, well, Katie, it will be me. Well, there's not going to be another Katie moment, so it's going to be Hillary. Uh, Now it's Hillary versus Trump. This is quite a contest. Uh, I have uh, predicted that it's going to be a 48-state romp and that Donald Trump is just going to crush the Clinton machine he's going to crush Hillary. Uh, He'll beat her in debates. He'll beat her uh, with advertising. He'll just beat her every way that's imaginable because the Clintons are now playing a game with people that have decided that by hook or crook, or by last-ditch effort at the ballot box, they are not going to, if they have anything to do, with, uh, say about it, Kevin, they're not going to allow another mem- member of the, quote, establishment, close quote, I should say political establishment, close quote, into the White House. What do you say about all this?
1: Oh, boy. Well, um, I was actually talking to John Gambling, who hosts a popular radio show in New York earlier today, and I told him, I think this year we've got We've had the the worst, the lowest quality final four for president in American history. That is, I don't think there's ever been an election cycle in which you had something like one guy who's uh, not an avowed Marxist only because nobody's ever asked him, "Are you a Marxist?" on air, uh, but he's all over YouTube praising Fidel Castro, and I heard him on New York radio a couple of weeks ago. In a recording from the 80s saying quote of course we must defend the revolution in nicaragua meaning of course the the sandinista marxist revolution in nicaragua and and he literally honeymooned in the soviet union uh, which to my mind is just beyond comprehension um and then uh, we also had on the republican side a constitutionalist candidate who is constitutionally unqualified ineligible by the definition of natural-born citizen of either Emmerich de Vatel or uh, Sir William Blackstone, who are the two leading commentators on this question available to the people who wrote and ratified the Constitution, which before the Cruz campaign was always the test of originalism. Uh, And then the leading candidates, well, Mrs. Clinton, I think, is a political Kardashian. She became a senator from New York only because her husband was famous and popular. And then uh, after a substantial stint in the Senate and an entire presidential term as secretary of state, her campaign staff could not, when asked, name one accomplishment of hers as secretary of state and then on the Republican side, the leading candidate is Donald Trump, who doesn't have whatever before now has been recognized as any uh, relevant experience to speak of. These are our final four. So it's a sad, it's a sad situation. It's, it's, I, I don't, I, I can't think of an election cycle in which the choices have been grimmer, except maybe when Franklin Roosevelt was running for re-election. So uh, he faced bums, too. But, of course, you couldn't argue by then that Roosevelt wasn't qualified. So, so anyway. Uh, Did, uh, didn't he face the
0: uh, – oh, gosh, what was his name? The guy that uh, started – uh, Wilkie? Wilkie, Wendell Wilkie, that's right. Right. And uh, there was another one. There was a guy that started uh, a bunch of electric companies, and uh, when Roosevelt tried to put him out of business by starting the R, uh, REA uh, or, or, fa- or asking for the R E A and other entities, he decided to run against him. Uh, I think in 1940, uh, but he had no political experience. Well, let me let me throw one at you that I mentioned today on the on the on the radio show. Dwight David Eisenhower didn't have any political experience
1: either. No, but um, Americans have, and uh, in fact, people who are interested can Google my name and Petraeus, the American conservative, and find this article. But I've written about the fact that Americans have always seemed to think that having been a general in the military was relevant experience. And, of course, one (laughs) very important function of uh, the president is to be commander in chief of the... Uh, Army and Navy of the United States and the militia when called into federal service. So we've we've seen repeatedly that people who didn't have any military experience actually were at a disadvantage when president. I think immediately of uh, James Madison, who was just as poor a war leader as possible. Right. So um, so I don't think Eisenhower is in the um, Clinton. Category certainly, or even the uh, half-term ineligible cruise category, uh, I uh, certainly wouldn't put him in the Trump category.
0: Well, my uh, my complete thought on that is is that let's just say that Trump is elected, uh, he will inherit a warfare state, kind of like the one that uh, that Eisenhower inherited and uh, it, it was during the Ike presidency where the United States had its longest era of peacetime, it seems, <laughs> uh, because I, I Eisenhower had actually seen war up close and personal. You know, when he left office, he gave that famous speech about uh, warning about the military industri- industrial complex. So I wasn't really comparing the, the, the generals uh, to, to any of the candidates, but uh, it, is, it, it is possible... That there'll be a very a similar circumstance will greet the next uh, the next president. I guess is where I was going with that. Not so much to compare generals to the good, because obviously Eisenhower Ike was a man of much greater virtue than any of these c- clowns ever pretended to be of.
1: Uh well, I can't argue. I, I just, <laughs> you know. Cruz, I can't even, I just can't get past the fact that he's constitutionally ineligible. You know, if we're going to have a constitutional culture, it has to start with voters. And so, to me, he wasn't even an option. So that leaves the not very closet Marxist, the political Kardashian, and Trump. And I can't imagine in 2016 that anyone's a Marxist. It's astounding. And not only that, but he gets such fawning coverage from the media. I... Repeatedly have noticed that the reporters the political reporters on PBS's NewsHour refer to him as Bernie Can you imagine any of them referring to Trump as Donald like going through an entire? Segment (laughs) of conversation about the Trump campaign without ever saying his last name of course There's no way that would happen and why does it happen in relation to Senator Sanders? Well, obviously it's because they feel some kind of affection for him. Why is that? (laughs) so Um, Well, I can guess as to why it is. (laughs) Maybe they have something in common. (laughs) Right. They actually do have affection for him, which is just astounding to me.
0: Now, why don't you talk for just a minute here about some of the... uh, There's rumors going around that Rubio or Cruz could be in the final running for the vice presidency (laughs) Uh, the Trump campaign, and and I I hear I I read this and I say but wait wait a minute Trump's the one that brought up the Cruz is not eligible he has to know that if something happens to him the vice president has to then become president doesn't the vice president have to have the same qualifications for the office as the president you would
1: think that's you been the way think? people have always <laughs> understood this heretofore <laughs> so. Actually, I guess it would be uh, a very uh, powerful kind of tacit, ironic mockery of the so-called constitutional conservatives who got behind Cruz in order to try to thwart Trump's effort if he put their guy up there knowing that he wasn't ineligible because he hoped to be able to say, hey, look, they don't really care. They're all still for him. So... um, I suppose that's one explanation of it. However, I doubt that that's what's going on.
0: Now, is
1: I struggle uh, to try to be fly. shocked if either one of those guys were Trump's running mate.
0: I, I think it has to be. It, it, it's got to be Kasich or some state that uh, Trump needs to win. People think, "Well, it's going to be. Uh, it'll have to be Governor Haley. Why? What's her right. political? Well, at least she was elected to an office. I was going to say, "What's her? Uh, what's her achievement?" At least she was
1: elected to an office, and she oh, might be eligible. i oh. long thought it should be either one of the Floridians or Kasich, but I, I really can't see Jeb being the running mate. So, Well, after the clobbering he took from Trump, why would he? Right, so that leaves. Well, you know, uh, Daddy Bush was, remember in the 80s, the uh, Doonesbury cartoon strip always depicted him. Uh, Daddy Bush is just a, a floating feather in the air because – as soon as he became Reagan's running mate, he absolutely did 180s on all the major questions, <laughs> and uh, so one I guess could say, well, there's a precedent for <laughs> something like Jeb becoming uh, Trump's running mate. But I I like to think Trump wouldn't choose him. He he just seems completely unlike exactly what Trump has said the president needs to be which is somebody who's not beholden somebody who's not there because his daddy was there somebody who's not devoted to the whole nwo and and the whole thing somebody who's not for open borders you know
0: eight four four five two seven eight seven two three is our telephone number it's the constitution hour with professor dr kevin goodzman here on the crusade channel part of the Veritas Radio Network, now six uh, months young, as of Wednesday, May the 11th. And uh, this show is airing on Thursday, May the 12th. Please go to the website at veritasradionetwork.com. If you missed any of the previous 19 episodes of the Constitution Hour, you can download any or all of them. And listen to them at your leisure, commercial-free. That's all at veritasradionetwork.com. Is there anything positive... I struggle to find, this, okay, there's always glass half full, glass half empty. In this campaign or this election season, it seems to me that there's there's actually nothing in the glass. It's
1: not half full or half empty. It's just empty. Oh, I don't agree with that. I think. What's the positive? Well, Jeb Bush didn't get the nomination. Ah, okay, okay. You so, got me on that one. It's very <laughs> positive to see the end of the uh, Bush dynasty, or at least... That it won't be around for another 15 or 20 years until George P. Bush can <laughs> can bedevil us as uh, incumbent governor of Texas with a run for president in, say, 2032. I guess that's probably in our future if we live that long. Um so, you know, you can kind of make a list of people who didn't get the nomination and say, well, that's a good thing. I mean, Marco Rubio, who's the Uber, neo Neocon, and Mr. Open Borders, he didn't get the nomination. That's His good. chief appeal by the end of it was, look at my ethnicity. Um, yeah. That, you know, he that's a trifecta as far as I'm concerned. So I'm glad he didn't get the nomination. Uh, and... I suppose in the end, either Trump or Hillary will lose. So that'll be positive. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and fortunately, it seems that the legions of of blithering idiots who are turning out to chant for some guy who supports history's biggest mass murder conspiracy, uh, they're going to be disappointed in not having the Marxists get the Democratic nomination. So I guess that's a good thing for now. But of course, eventually there'll be most voters, so that's not a good thing. Uh, anyway, I, I think the glass is not entirely void of. Uh, it's litters. got a little something in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. and uh, you once told me that you're not in the uh, you're not you're not in the optimism business, but there you are making an optimist out of me.
1: <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> uh, you know if you put a negative enough spin on something, you can find, <laughs> you can find a. I <laughs> am well, thinking of it as less bad than it might have been. I guess that's what I'm saying.
0: Well, here is a All right, I I'm going to give you my uh, I'll give you my bad development for campaign 2016. It has now become the uh, the campaigning for the Office of the Presidency has now become a full-time reality television show that employs tens of thousands of people. And the least of those that are employed are the candidates. I, I I watch these panels now that are convened on MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN every single morning, every single midday, every lunchtime, every afternoon. I'm watching them right now. And they've grown in stature. It used to be you just had a like a, a news desk or a... Remember, back, remember Remember back in the day when you and I used to watch Bob Novak and Michael Kinsley go at it? Uh, with Patrick J. Buchanan and uh, Speaker of the House Tip O'Neill on Crossfire, or maybe William F. Buckley was hosting a
1: Firing Line. Do you remember those? Tom Braden was actually Buchanan's usual interlocutor. They're the guys who started this series. Remember, Braden was the fellow whose memoir became the TV series 8 is Enough.
0: Oh, I, I, I did not know that. Uh, it's a great trivia from uh, Professor Dr. Kevin Goodsman. My point is, is they had a single desk. And they just had usually two guys yelling at each other. Well, Buckley was just two guys. And then CNN expanded it to four. You know, you you got your right and your left, and then each one got to pick a, uh, you know, it was like the World World Wrestling Fe, Fe, uh, Federation, which was still the WWF at the time. <laughs> you could kind of tag Gene or Ole Anderson. Do you remember Gene and Ole Anderson? Yes. Yeah, You remember Blackjack Mulligan and Ric Flair?
1: Well, you know, I was not exactly what you'd call a professional <laughs> wrestling devotee, <laughs> so I've heard the name Ric Flair. I think, didn't he die recently? I think I saw images of him. but I don't think he, I'm not sure they did. Uh,
0: but anyways, so you tag the other guy, but I guess the point is it was one desk. Uh, now, there are three desks. There's one on either side that has four to six to eight people on it, and then there's a moderator stand in the middle, and then they navigate between these two. I'm like, how many people does it take to discuss this stuff? And then you have the candidates, which are now followed around by hundreds upon hundreds of, of high definition cameras. These things are done, uh, they, they were whisked off to a mobile production uh, booth where they are converted into uh, uh, in, in, in individual clips. And then the reality TV show of the day is then broadcast. And, you know, we learn what the candidates eat. We know what uh, what, what what Mrs. Cruz's choice for the high, for the school lunch menu was going to be. We know what color dresses the Cruz girls preferred. We know uh, we know what color blankie uh, Chelsea's wrapping the new grandbaby in and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it is. Uh, uh, you and I talked about the, comparing the United States and our electoral system to the British, and you said there is no comparison. You're right because we have now stolen the tabloid and the idea of tabloid presentation of politics from the British and Americanized it.
1: Well, that's absolutely true. But in Britain, their politics don't center on that. That is because the chief executive is also the head of the majority in the house of commons. He actually has to be responsible to the house of commons. So, once a week david cameron's standing there in the well and anybody who wants in, in the house of commons can ask him any question and he has to answer those questions this is you know he can't just say my grandchild is where you know sleeping in a pea green uh, burqa <laughs> <or> whatever <laughs> well b- very soon uh, david cameron's
0: grandchild may be sleeping in a pea green bar- burqa now that Londonites have elected a fully uh, fully avowed Orthodox Muslim as their mayor. And this is quite the, the, the sea change from 1,200 years of British and European history of doing everything that they could, including fighting never-ending wars and uh, watching their people uh, su- uh, suffer on the high seas, never-ending impressment, and on land, never-ending rape, rob, pillage, capture, or execution, by the Mohammedans. Uh, and now they just invite him in and elect a mayor. Quite a, um, quite a different story from, uh, from the days when uh, the Brits were, 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 uh, were glad and uh, were, uh, would celebrate that they had not only the Atlantic Ocean, but the English Straits and other bodies of water around them to uh, kind of insulate them from the Mohammedans.
1: Uh, right. Well, not with a bang, but a whimper.
0: When you and I talked about uh, Hadron's Wall once upon a time, and you described you described Had- the the, uh, the warriors that were the Hadrian's Wall was built out uh, uh, was built to keep out
1: those crazy Picts. They're right. blue dye and they nude warrior bodies. This is uh, a, a welcome uh, refuge for those of you who are fleeing the Clinton administration.
0: Now, uh, now, in my, in my choice of fleeing. You said your your friend is moving to Estonia. My choice is going to be Papa Stray Island, uh, right off the coast of Scotland, just south of Aberdeen. Uh, <laughs> I have heard other people say that they're going to ex- expat to uh, an island in the Caribbean if they can get enough of their friends together to buy one. <laughs> uh, and then others say, well, Chile is a very small, uh, very small government. There uh, doesn't suffer the kind of Marx uh, Marxist crime uh, crime activity. Marxist-inspired crime activity that the northern part of South Africa and the eastern coast does, and they might move to Chile. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, the Antarctica outpost is <laughs> no one's going to come down there and get us. But uh, we have what? What? Uh, Twenty? Uh, eighteen more. Uh, more eighteen more weeks. Is either eighteen or nineteen more weeks before we actually have to make these decisions about movies? So we'll keep talking about it here. On the Constitution Hour, why don't we take our time out why don't we come back and talk a little bit about what is going on with the HB2 uh, uh, controversy in North Carolina, which uh, there are two p- angles that we can pursue on this. One, you and uh, Tom Woods in your Who Killed the Constitution book wrote uh, an entire chapter on the Civil Rights Act of of 1964. You've written about it for some magazines. We could talk about just a bit about the, the act itself. And then about uh, the Title uh, IX funding, which was made specifically and explicitly for the female gender. That's why it was put in there, to ensure that little girls' soccer teams would get the same kind of funding that little boys' soccer teams would. <clears throat> of course, if you move the gen- remove the gender distinctions, I don't know how that's going to work, but an interesting point was made, and I'd like for you to comment on this when we come back, Kevin. An interesting point was made by (coughs) Mayor Pat McCrory of North Carolina when he said that, look, if North Carolina loses, everybody is going to lose because the Injustice Department is going to try and enforce this against everyone. And Mayor McCrory also said that it was his understanding that only Congress could alter a Title IX Act of the Civil Rights Act, that the Injustice Department could not do it on its own. So we have all that coming up next on the Constitution Hour with Professor Dr. Kevin Goodsman. If you missed any episode of this show, please download them at VeritasRadioNetwork.com. You'll need a Founders Pass membership in order to do so. Please go to VeritasRadioNetwork.com today. Sign up by the month or by the year. There are many different levels of service that you can get at Network.com. This is the Constitution Hour on the Crusade Channel, part of the Veritas Radio Network Ra- radio, the way it should be. If James Madison were still alive, he would listen to the Constitution Hour featuring Professor Kevin Goodsman. Here on the Veritas Radio Network's Crusade.